Modern Types by Mr. Punch's Own Typewriter From Punch or the London Charvari, Volume 98, March 15, 1890 By Anonymous British and American Periodical Articles, 1852-1905 to By Various Section 6 This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Bologna Times Number 4. The Giddy Society Lady The Giddy Lady is one who, having been plunged at an early age into smart society, is whirled perpetually round in a vortex of pleasures and excitements. In the effort to keep her head above water, she is as likely as not to lose it. This condition she naturally describes as being in the swim. In the unceasing struggle to maintain herself there, she may perhaps shorten her life, but she will apparently find a compensation in the increased length of her dressmaker's bills. She is ordinarily the daughter of aristocratic parents, who carefully allowed her to run wild from the moment she could run at all. By their example she has been taught to hold as articles of her very limited faith that the serious concerns of life are of interest only to fools, and should, therefore, though the inference is not obvious, be entirely neglected by herself, and that frivolity and fashion are the twin deities before whom every self-respecting woman must bow down. Having left the seminary, at which she acquired an elementary ignorance of spelling, a smattering of French phrases as used by English lady novelists, and a taste in music which leads her in after-life to prefer Miss Bessie Bellwood to Beethoven, she is soon afterwards brought out at a smart dance in London. From this point her progress is rapid. Balls and concerts, luncheons and receptions, dinners and theatres, race-meetings and cricket-matches, at both of which more attention is paid to fashion than to the field, follow one another in a dizzy succession. She has, naturally, no time for thought, but in order to avoid the least suspicion of it, she learns to chatter the slang of the youthful guardsmen and others who are her companions. A certain flashing style of beauty ensures her to the devotion of numerous admirers, to whom she babbles of chappies and johnnies and real jam and stony broke and two to one bar one as if her life depended upon this correct pronunciation of as many of these phrases as possible in the shortest time on record. She thus comes to be considered a cheerful companion, and at the end of her third season marries a jaded man of pleasure, whose wealth is more considerable than his personal attractions, and who, for some inscrutable reason, has been approved by her parents as a suitable husband. She treats matrimony as an emancipation from rules which she has rarely seen any one else observe, and has never honored herself, and after a few years she becomes one of that gaudy band of society ladies who follow with respectful imitation the giddy vagaries of the Corinthians of a lower grade. She dines often without her husband at smart restaurants, where she has constant opportunities of studying the manners of her models. She adores the burlesques at the gaiety, 
and the avenue, and talks, with a complete absence of reserve and a disregard of pedantic accuracy, about the lives and adventures of the actresses who figure there. She can tell you, and does, who presented Lottie A. with a diamond star, and who was present at the last supper-party in honor of Tottie B., nor is she averse to being seen and talked about in a box at a music-hall, or at one of the pleasure-palaces in Leicester Square. She allows the young men who cluster round her to suppose that she knows all about their lapses from strict propriety, and that she commends rather than condemns them. Causes celeb are to her a staple of conversation, her interest in them varying directly as the number of co-respondents. It is impossible, therefore, that the men who are her friends should treat her with that chivalrous respect which an obsolete tradition would seem to require, but they suffer no loss of her esteem in consequence. Such being her behavior in the society of men, the tone of her daily conversation with friends of her own sex may be readily imagined, though it might not be pleasant to describe. Suffice it to say that she sees no shame in addressing them, or in allowing herself to be addressed by a name which a court of law has held to be libelous when applied to a burlesque actress. She is always at Hurlingham or the Rainlaw, and has seen pigeons killed without a qualm. She never misses a Sandown or a Kempton meeting. She dazzles the eyes of the throng at Ascot every year, and never fails at Goodwood. Twice a year the giddy lady is compelled by the traditions of her caste to visit Paris, in order to replenish her exhausted wardrobe. On these occasions she patronizes only the best hotel, and the most expensive and celebrated of men dressmakers, and she is fitted by a son of the house, of whom she talks constantly and familiarly by his Christian name as Jean or Pierre or Philippe. During the shooting season she goes from country house to country house. She has been seen, sometimes, with a gun in her hands, often with a lighted cigarette between her lips. Indeed, she is too frequent a visitor at shooting luncheons and in smoking-rooms, where a woman, however much she may attempt to disguise her sex, is never cordially welcomed by men. The conventions of the society in which she moves seem to require that she should be attended during her visits by a cavalier servant, who is therefore always invited with her. Their pastime is to imitate a flirtation, and to burlesque love, but neither of them is ever deceived into attributing the least reality to this occupation, which is often as harmless as it is always absurd. These and similar occupations, of course, leave her no time to attend to her children, who are left to grow up as best they may under the fostering care of nursery-maids and of such relations as may choose, from time to time, to burden themselves with the olive-branches of others. Her husband has long since retired from all competition with her, and leaves her free to follow her own devices, whilst he himself follows the odds. She is often supposed to be riding for a fall, it is certain that her pace is fast, yet, though many whisper, it is quite possible that she will ride to the end without open damage. Of her dress and her jewels it need only be said that she affects tailor-made costumes and cat's-eye bangles by day, and that at night she escapes by the skin of her teeth 
from that censure which the scantiness of her coverings would seem to warrant, and which Mr. Horsley, R.A., if he saw her, would be certain to pronounce. In middle age she loses her brilliant complexion. Yet, for reasons best known to herself, her color continues to be bright, though her spirits and her temper seem to suffer in the effort to keep it so. As old age advances, she is as likely as not to become a gorgon of immaculate propriety, and will be heard lamenting over the laxity of manners which permits girls to do what was never dreamt of when she was a girl herself. End of Modern Types, The Giddy Society Lady, by Mr. Punch's own typewriter.